The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. It's National Adoption Month, and we're joined by Shayla Nichols, the Director of Social Work at a Family Tree as an adoption agency that helps families through the process of adoption, along with Noalani Lomasen and Brenna Holmes Mumford, both of whom were adopted from China. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Thank you for having us. All right. You know, I know that there are a lot of misconceptions out there about adoption. So why don't we start off with uh, Shayla first, if if you could share with us a little bit about your uh, organization and how you help people and families looking to adopt. Sure. Yeah. Um, So we were originally founded in 1975. Um, We specialized mostly in international adoptions. Um, Over the years, we helped place uh, many children um, into uh, permanent families here in the U.S. um, from various countries all over the world. Um, As the world changed and as adoption changed, we evolved and um, started uh, doing more domestic adoptions, um, domestic infant adoptions, which is when um, a birth mother or birth parents place um, their newborn infant with um, adoptive parents, um, either locally or um, just within the U.S. Uh, we also expanded and created our foster adoption program. So um, we help youth who are legally free to be adopted from foster care systems, again, all over the country, um, find permanent loving homes with uh, families here in Hawaii. So um, we work only with adoptive families here locally um, in o- on Oahu and then on any of the other neighboring islands. Um, and we help them, um, we help children get placed into their homes. So a family tree is one out of how many, would you say, adoption agencies in Hawaii? So as far as I know, there are only two licensed adoption agencies in Hawaii, yeah. And we also provide um, the training, counseling, and support for adoptive families, both before they adopt and afterwards. And and there is a need. I I mean, I read here, I think you said that there's more than 100,000 children still waiting to be adopted. Yeah, so there's um, 400,000 children in the United States currently 
um, in the foster care system. And of those 400,000, there are over 100,000 um, that are legally free to be adopted and just waiting to be placed into um, permanent homes in their foster with their foster families. Wow, I know um, we had um, had the honor of speaking with Chris and Manny about their um, journey and how a family tree helped them. Beautiful story there. So yeah. we encourage our, our viewers and our listeners to uh, tune in for that episode. But let's talk to Brenna now and Nolani, who could share with us, are there any misconceptions out there about adoptees? You can go, Brenda. No, it's okay. You can go. Um, I would say, at least personally for me, um, being adopted from China, one of, I guess, the big misconceptions would be, um, I guess from anywhere, is the idea that, you know, these children, I, I think it is good that these children are getting placed in homes that are wanting to take care of them. But the, there's the misconception of like, oh, they're so lucky to be in this family, which, um, you know, of course, they, it is great that they are being adopted. But I think there's also so much more surrounding it. And, and sometimes it can make it feel or seem that, you know, it's more focused on the adoptive parents rather than the adoptive child. And we have to, I think it's important to remember that it is, you know, the adoptive child um, depending on whatever their background is, they, you know, we don't know that. And they could have had a lot of hardships already before that. And taking that into consideration and understanding that these children, wherever, whatever their background is, um, they're getting adopted for their well-being as well, not just for the adoptive parents, but also that so these children are getting placed into a loving home that will take care of them for the rest of their life. It can, right? Um, so I think that's just one misconception that I've heard. And I think it's just important to consider not only the adoptive parent side, but like the well-being of the adoptive child and um, the, yeah, the background that they may have come from as well. Um, yeah, so for me, at least um, being adopted from China in the time period that I was, which was um, 1996, um, a lot of a lot of people assume that I was or that adoptees in general from China were abandoned or not wanted or um, not loved. But I don't think necessarily think that's true. I don't believe that my birth family didn't want me and I don't believe that they abandoned me. I believe that the times in China the government, um, you know, everything surrounding the one child policy, those are really tough circumstances. So I think a lot of birth parents just couldn't afford to um, keep their, their child. And also it was sometimes illegal if they had more than one. So I don't feel like I was abandoned. I don't feel like I wasn't loved or wanted. Um, it was just what my birth family had to do at the time. Yeah, and in talking with um Chris and Manny last night, um, I guess another common misconception is that, and what I believed is that the adoption process is really long. 
and I guess it varies for some, but um, I knew some friends who had to wait like more than five years um, before they got to have a family. Um, but in the case of Chris and Manny, they were lucky enough for their journey. It was only one year. Um, so that that is just, I guess it varies from person to person. But, um, you know, Brenna and Noelani, if you could share with um, those listening uh, your experiences um, with the adoption process, what you remember, um, you know, how your family explained to you about the adoption process. Um, so I was adopted when I was eight months old, so I don't remember anything from my time in China. Um, my family was always very open and um, supportive, and because they are Caucasian, I obviously knew right away that I was adopted, um, you know, when I became old enough to be aware of that, um, but it was never an issue or a hardship for me. Um, it was always a point of happiness, celebration, love, um, just in a different form, I guess, um, in a different family um, creation. Um, I know that my parents did have to wait a while and they had to do a lot of traveling, a lot of paperwork. Um, and they, I don't know exactly how long they had to wait, but I know that when they finally um, got the news that they were able to head over to China and pick up their baby, they were very excited. Um, for me, so I was also adopted from China. Um, I was adopted at 13 months old and um, my parents are also Caucasian and they actually already had um, two sons. So I have two brothers that are biological to my parents. Um, so I don't remember too much of the actual adoption process either. But um, from what I do know about it, um, when they did adopt me, um, they actually they actually came back home to Oregon. So I'm originally from Oregon. And um, at our church, I think there was actual like a celebration or something that they had just for me coming into the family. Um, so thankfully, at least for me, I've had a lot of support, um, you know, being in, you know, a Caucasian family and being there and, and just that I it wasn't ever, I wasn't ever like seen differently either. You know, I was loved equally, just like my older brothers. Um, yeah, so that, I think that was definitely helpful for me in terms of, uh, yeah, being adopted into a Caucasian family. Um, but my sister was also adopted and I actually went with my uh, family. All of us went to China in 2010 to go adopt her. Um, so that was also a very interesting experience um, being there, but also, um, yeah, I guess kind of like when we, the day that we got to see her was, um, yeah, I think it was hard for her because she was being adopted at five. So just seeing the different dynamics, right, of adoption and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so for me, um, I've had a good amount of like, no, or like I've had a good amount of um, interaction with adoption, especially because my parents also helped with in or helped with a foster care organization in China. So I know a little bit, but in terms of like the actual adoption process, um, I think I've actually learned more with a family tree now. Yeah. 
growing up, uh, growing up for both you and Brenna and Nolani, um, did you have any questions about, um, you know, your origins and and even wanting to meet your biological parents? My parents always supported my interest and um, curiosity about where I came from. Um, I was lucky to have uh, parents and other adoptees around me my whole life. And we did a lot of activities um, we did a lot of like Asian, um, Chinese activities, so it it still kind of kept us uh, in in the in the culture and kind of it still kept us you know um, connected in a way. I I've always like I said I've always been curious about my my biological family, and I have to say um, the past since I've probably been like a teenager, it is a lifelong dream of mine to um, meet biological family so it's not it's not like a hole in my heart because I do have a great family um, but it is something that I'd love to do and it's very difficult in China but I I feel that if it's meant to be it will happen for me someday Um, for me, same. My family was super supportive about, you know, um, Chinese culture. Again, my dad um, and my parents were also very involved with that organization. So there's also that piece. Um, but in terms of like finding my birth family or learning more, I've also been very curious just because, yeah, I mean, it's something that I don't know. But um, for me, I think I've made peace about you know where I've come from and whatnot and for me it's um I think it'd be very interesting to meet my birth family but uh, personally I'm okay where I'm at right now um it, yeah so um but yeah so for me it's just it'd be a very interesting dynamic if I did ever find them um but I don't know, I'm also very thankful and glad for the family that I do have and the community that I do have today as well, yeah. And Shayla, I mean, it is an option for um, the families to have that communication and, and continue it, um, you know, after the adoption, correct? Yeah, so, um... To Noelani and Brenna's point, my dad was adopted from Korea in the 70s. So that's what led me to um, working in the adoption field. Um, when I started working at a family tree, I actually began the search and reunion process to see if it would be possible to locate his biological family because it was also something that I've thought about since I was little, like um, the possibility of meeting my biological grandparents. Um, and so through that journey, um, I've learned a lot about myself and my family and my uh, just adoption in general um, and the adoption field as a whole, the adoption community um, has shifted from historically, most adoptions were closed. Um, even if people, there were a lot of people, which you, you know, you see in movies and whatnot, people don't find out until they're like 18, they're adopted. Um, 
or if they know they're adopted, they still don't have access to their birth parents. And um, over the years, as I mentioned, adoption has evolved and we've learned that it's actually better for um, everyone involved, both the child, the birth parent and the adoptive parents, um, if, it, if it's possible for um, there to be an open adoption and communication with the birth parents to um, you know, varying degrees depending on the circumstance. But um, if anything, it's important for the child to know where they came from because as a child grows up, as Brenna and Noelani mentioned, in your identities evolving, um, if there are pieces of information that are missing, it makes it that much harder for a person to, you know, figure out who they are. Are there strict qualifications for those interested in starting a family? Um, for the adoptive parents? Mm -hmm. it, it depends. It's all very... Um, dependent on sorry the airport um depends on the state the sending state and the sending country and then um sorry i don't know if this is distracted uh it also depends on the placing agency that uh an adoptive uh, family decides to work with so when a when a family decides to adopt um there's usually multiple parties involved there's you work with the local agency to um, do the home study writing process. You might also work with a larger placing agency on the mainland um, because I mentioned, as I mentioned, there are only the two um, small-ish licensed agencies here in Hawaii. So um, it's often the case that families will have to work with other agencies on the mainland like Chris and Manny did. Um, and so those agencies um, might have different um, qualifications and um, descending country, if they're adopting internationally, might have uh, certain qualifications. So I know for some countries and some agencies, you have to have been married for a certain amount of years. Um, some agencies and countries do allow um, single applicants to adopt. Um, sometimes there's age limits. So um, if a family is interested in adopting and has questions about that, they can contact us and we'll be able to help them depending on what they're looking for. All right, yes. And you know, um, again, to our, our listeners, we did speak to Chris and Maddie and, and we covered a lot of this. Um, they shared with us that it was also not just a very tedious journey because there was a lot of paperwork involved that they had to fill out. Yes, there are background checks. They also explained that it, it's also a very expensive too. So there's that financial um, aspect of that too that, that needs to be considered. Um, but in the end, they say that if you do have the love, the love to give, that is probably the most important thing. I mean, that it comes down to, if you have that love to give, to welcome the child into your home, then that is what is important. And Nolani and Brenna, if I could ask you, how can the community uh, do more? Or what do you feel needs to be done? Or what do you need to, to feel supported, to, for adoptees to feel supported? It's a really great question. Um, it's it's not something I've necessarily thought about um, until I started uh, interning at a family tree. 
just because that wasn't really um an issue growing up for me um but I can see now how other adoptions other adoptees experience adoption what has to what has to happen in order for them to be put um put up for adoption um so I think my experience is not necessarily the average experience but I would say so I don't want to speak you know for that um that population that has uh those strong feelings but I would say just raising awareness um you know supporting families that are interested in adopting um supporting the foster care system uh you know public policies that are that would benefit um foster care parents foster care um children stuff like that i think would be um a really great place to start Yeah, I agree with everything that Brenda just mentioned, and I also uh, emphasize that point that like our experiences as adoptees is different for each and every child, um, and so we can't just put it one per like put someone into a box of what adoption looks like, because um, yeah, like uh, Brenda's experience is different from my experience, and my experience is different from my sister's experience, right? Um, but yeah, I agree. I think weight raising awareness because um, I think some people do look at it a little differently. And I think it's just something that just hasn't been as normalized. Um, so it's cool that they have this month. I actually didn't even know there was National Adoption Month until recently. So and I thought it was like really cool um, to bring more awareness into it. Um, but that and I think especially I would definitely say support for adoptees. Um, cause yeah, uh, as we've touched on, like identity is such, um, it's a big thing for everyone in like figuring out who you are and, and potentially not knowing a part of your origin or something is, you know, that's, that can be big. And so having the resources for walking through that process and, um, being able to just understand that because that can be hard even like as like a, a young child like you don't under you can't fully understand that and as you grow up you might learn things or you might realize things and so um, yeah just being able to have resources therapists and or um, even like adoption groups I I'm a part of some of those adoption groups and that again it's cool to not feel like I'm just one adoptee but to see like there's other adoptees and um, they have similar, um, just to see that they come from a somewhat similar background and see, you know, like I'm not the only one who has like questioned things or had things, um, yeah, to not know, so. So, you know, thank you so much for sharing with us. I mean, I, I'm glad there's a National Adoption Month because I think there needs to be more awareness about adoption. I mean, there's so many unknowns and, um, for the listeners out there who are even considering, um, you know, going on that journey, uh, Chris and Manny in our other, other episode, they mentioned that, you know, a family tree, great resource. When they called, they were immediately um, contacted back and um, very helpful 
Uh, Family Tree offers a number of services. Shayla, I don't know if you'd like to uh, kind of expand on that uh, really quickly for those listening and interested. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, uh, the first step, if anyone's interested in adoption, is just giving us a call because as we've mentioned, there are so many misconceptions and people often have a lot of questions. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where to start. So um, if they call, we can help them figure out like, do they want to inter adopt internationally or domestically? And then where they go from there. Um, we provide home study writing services. Like I mentioned, we have our small placement program where we match um, local birth moms with local adoptive families. Um, we do the adoptive parent training where you know, we emphasize um, like what to do if your child has trauma and how to honor their birth culture. Um, we also do adoptive parent um, support groups for people who already have adopted. Um, and then our Pono Roots Counseling Center provides mental health services to anybody in the community. So if anybody's looking for therapy services, and um, we also have our counseling center, and then we um, have adoption competent therapists on staff who can provide support for both the adoptive parents um, and the adoptees. Can you please um, offer a phone number or even the website? Yeah, our phone number is 808-589-2367. Our website is afamilytree.org. Don't forget the A because I don't know what happens if you type in familytree.org. Um, and then our email is hello at afamilytree.org. Hello at afamilytree.org. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Shayla, Brenna, Noelani, thank you so much for spreading awareness about adoption. Happy National Adoption Month to you all. And uh, keep spreading awareness and raising awareness because it's, it is needed here in Hawaii and even throughout the nation as well. Thank you so much for joining okay. us. Thank you so much for listening to the Mothership Podcast. Bless all of you and aloha. Aloha. Thanks so much, Stephanie, for having us. Bye. 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 Yay.